I'm a local loan officer in West Palm Beach, Florida. I've been in the mortgage industry for the last eight years. I've worked in the industry throughout the country. I've closed over a thousand loans during my career, so I've seen it all. I'm on a mission to make mortgages both entertaining and educational. Welcome to Lending with Leah. This is the podcast for anyone thinking about potentially owning, already in the process of buying, or maybe you even own your own home already. <laughs> I have to. It's like the thing it's now perfect. after every intro. Yeah. Magic, because, you know, mortgages are magical. Agreed. So, everyone, you have had me for the last couple episodes, just me and my lovely self. But today, we're bringing back some guests. So, I have a guest here with me, Jay Abrams. Say hey, hi. how are you? Good. How Thank are you? Thank you for having me. Good. Very good. Very good. <laughs> So Jay is a business owner, designer, and real estate investor. You know, there's a couple things. Just a couple things. And a dancer. Yeah, I I can throw that in there. (laughs) I guess I can throw that in there. People like to connect with the personal, too. You know, I think I'm realizing that more, especially as I start really working on my social media, is that people are asking me about things outside of real estate that mm-hmm. I'm into. I didn't, I wasn't expecting that. So. Yeah, actually anytime I have gone to see a coach, mm-hmm. like a loan officer coach, the number one thing they tell us across the board with social media is that your social media should, should be like 70, 80% personal. Wait, 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 uh, what? Yeah, at least, at least in my industry, uh-huh. they say it should be like 70 to 80% personal, 20 to 30% business enough business that people know what you do, uh-huh. but personal so people can connect with you. Okay, that just blew my mind, but okay, no, this is good. See, I'm learning, I'm, they should call this learning with Leah. This is what I'm, okay. We, we had a couple yeah. episodes back too where it was laughing with Leah, so now we're learning with Leah, we're lending and we're laughing. I like it, I like it. But today we kind of have a special treat for everyone because I feel like to date a lot of our episodes have leaned a little bit more heavily towards people purchasing their primary home, Got it. the home that they're going to be living in. But, you know, real estate and home ownership is the number one way to wealth creation or the fastest way to wealth creation. And so investing in real estate, I think, is a very important topic and a topic you know a lot about. Yes, so for me, real estate has been what I've been living off of for the last several years now. Um, I originally got into the industry through um, architecture. I went to school for architecture, lived in New York for many years, um, worked on becoming an architect. Um, and then during the pandemic, I came back home because a lot of my work dried up and I completely switched over to real estate full time. And now I, I, I can't even look back. So what? initially got you into real estate like what was that spark where you're like oh okay i'm gonna switch everything up and do this yeah good question okay so to do a little background on it so before i started architecture school i actually got my license as a realtor i was probably like 18 or 19. really yeah 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 yeah, i was i was really young i was excited about it because real estate always sounded like something where i can make a lot of money so I'm like, sign me up, you know? And then I think once architecture school started, I was like, man, I have no time for this because I spent days at the studio and I basically had a, a license that I, that just sat there. Mm-hmm. And then fast forward all these years later and I was driving in my car and I heard someone on the radio say like, come to our real estate 
blah, 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 on March, whatever, whatever. I'm like, hey, that sounds fun. So I went to it, it was a free seminar, and I left that seminar and I was so mad. And I was, I was <laughs> mad because they literally went over things that I felt I should have known for years now. Mm-hmm. And for instance, um, I didn't know that you could use money from your 401k and pay a penalty. Like I had no idea that you could do that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I was like, you know what? I'm going to take the time to invest some more into this education. Let me see what this real estate industry really is about since I never really got into it. And then just let it lead me to where it's going to lead me. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And then now look, I mean, I live in off in it. So. And you just found like you were just driving and you heard. Yeah, a, it was it was just a, that on the radio. Yeah, it was literally just like an advertisement on the radio. And I think that advertisement was a thing that I needed to just kind of like kickstart things. From there, it led into the education. The education led into um, finding out about financing. Financing led me into, okay, let me go and actually find a property. Mm-hmm. Let me find that property. Let me fix it up. Let me fix it up. Let me sell it. You know, like one step led to the next step. Yeah. And then eventually the bug bit me hard and I was like, I'm in this. You know? I love that. So yeah, it's, it's been good. It's been good. Now, what did you do education wise? Let's start there. Cause okay. I mean, I've been in the mortgage business for a long time, so not quite real estate, but closely tied. Mm-hmm. And you know, yes, the info is out there, but even me being in the industry, I find it to be somewhat of a secretive industry and you kind of got to dig a little bit to find the the true info that you need. So how did you go about then educating yourself? Great question. On it. Great question. So, and I agreed. There's, there was so much information that was out there that it was overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't even know what to really study first. So I first got into it again during that seminar, he told us about the different ways in which you can make money in real estate. So one of it was a lease option. Another one is wholesaling. Another one is fix and flip. There's like a number of different ways. And I asked the guy there, I was like, well, what's the least expensive one to get into? Because I didn't have a lot of money at the time. I had maybe, I don't know, a thousand bucks to my name. So I'm like, all right, let me get into something that's not gonna require a lot of capital up front." He's like, well, you can get into wholesaling. And I was like, okay, could you explain wholesaling to me a little bit? Then he went in and breaks down wholesaling. I was like, okay, I can start there. Will you actually break down wholesaling for everyone? Because I think what you just said there, like not having a lot of capital, I think people yeah. think you have to have a lot of capital to get started. And I think everyone would love to hear a little bit more about what wholesaling Absolutely. is. Um, and, and the funny thing is like the further I progress in real estate, I realize more and more how much you don't need money to get into real estate. Like it, it's, it goes against what a lot of us believe so much, but Again, the further my education goes, the more I realize I, you don't need to have money to do this. I think that's great. Yeah. And, and yeah. that's, because I think what stops a lot of people is that, mm-hmm. you know, I don't have the money to do it, you know, so I'm just not. And it's true. It. So you, it's one or the other, right? It's if you've got the money, great. But if you don't have the money, then you need the education, mm-hmm. right? It's you need one or the other. And for me, I had the education. I didn't have the money. So that education then led me to find out about how to find money. That mm. was what was key. Okay. Talk on that. Finding money. How yes. do you how do you do that? And how does that like play a role sure. into everything? I'll give an example. So I finally got a contract, right? I got one with a seller. I I sent out these postcards and these postcards had his the picture of his house on it, had his name. And let's say his name was John Smith. 
and said, hey, John, um, I love your house. Um, I would love to know if you'd be interested in making an offer. It's a flyer. Mm -hmm. On the back of the flyer, it has all my information on it. Sent out a flyer to him. I used to send out to tons of houses. He gets a flyer in the mail, and he calls me off of the flyer. Um, I meet him at his house. I find out about it. I get the house under contract, right? So now I finally got a house. I got a contract, right? <laughs> I, I got something I can finally wholesale. And I was looking for a long time to figure out, okay, how can I buy this house for myself, fix it up, and sell it? But I didn't know anything. Again, this is where I lacked a lot of education because I was just starting out. I, I finally got a contract. I'm like, okay, I'm going to wholesale it. And then I immediately switch it. No, let me see if I can fix this house up myself, turn around and sell it. And that house, I or sorry, that contract, I ultimately lost, which was really upsetting. Oh, no. And it was, it was really upsetting because I was like, I finally got one and I lost it. Yeah. But I lost it because I didn't know how to find money yet. But because I lost it, I then went on a path of education to teach me how to find money. So that was a big, that was a big thing for me. So I finally got this contract. I lose it. Um, I'm looking everywhere. I'm talking to friends, talking to family, like, Hey, do you want to invest in this house with me? Everyone's like, I don't have the money to it. Everyone, no, other people were like, I just don't trust you. <laughs> you know, you know, which <laughs> That's is fine. Fair, Cause you're, fair. you're brand, you're exactly. brand new. You don't have the track record. Yeah. Yet. They're, they're like, they're like, we know you're good at designing, but do you know how to fix drywall? Do you know how to change a faucet? Can you fix up a whole house? Right. Then those are just small things. Imagine bigger things. Can you change an electrical panel? Do you know who to hire? So because I didn't have those, I didn't have the people around me, the support system to say like, mm -hmm. Hey, I'll put my money in. I'll trust you. No problem, right? I lost the contract, but I didn't let that stop me from figuring out, okay, how do I do this? So once I lost that contract, I then started to reach out to local real estate groups, meetups, um, cl clubs, and there's a local one, um, the Boca Real Estate Investment Club, shout out to David Dweck. And um, when I went to Wait. the... <laughs> <laughs> And when I went and when I when I went to the real estate club, I found out there about hard money lending. I'm like, what's what's hard money lending and hard money lending? I also found out about private lending, very closely related, as I'm mm -hmm. sure you've probably gone into in many of your episodes. And once I found out about those, I was like, OK, so I can actually get someone to lend me money to fix up this house as long as I come up with a down payment or a deposit of some kind. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, but, but now, now I have a way to actually buy it. So that house that I lost, the contract was for 157,000. That shows you how long ago it was, oh right? My gosh. And this Homes is close by. Yeah. This is like green acres, right? And a single Dang. family home, single family home. Um, and finding at that time I was like, okay, well I need to come up with 157,000. Mm -hmm. Well, the hard money, private money would have allowed me to only come up with 10%, 5%. I mean, now I have lenders who they will finance 100% of my project. That's where, awesome. Yeah, I don't put any money in. I just give them a balloon payment at the end of the loan and that's it. And I walk away. So that definitely that start there, getting into that, finding out what I did, losing the contract, meeting up with the lenders and then gaining some more education, education, mm -hmm. that actually would kept me in the game. So talk about that a little bit more mm -hmm. because to date, we haven't discussed hard money or private money lending oh, yet. Have not. Um, no, okay. not on the not on this episode okay. or the show yet. So this is a first for everyone who's listening. Sure. And you know, I'll be honest, this is not my area of mm. expertise. You know, the kind of financing I am is very heavily Personal. government. Yeah, government got you, got you, got you. Um, you know, and sometimes that works for investing. You know, especially if someone just wants to 
buy a property and rent it out, mm -hmm. a conventional investment loan might be a great option, but it's, it's a different product. It's a different product. Yeah. And oftentimes it's not the best when it comes to no. investing. So talk no. a little bit and share a little bit with everyone about hard money and private money and kind of what that process sure, looks like. Sure. So, so once I started to learn about hard money, private money, I had to figure out, okay, what are the ins and outs? What makes it good? What makes it, you know, what are the pros? What are the cons? And very quickly, I found out about the pros being that someone will essentially give you money to fix up other typically, typically real estate investors of some kind, right? Let's say they got into the real estate game and they were fixing houses or they were doing rentals, but, or at minimum, they at least know about it. They have money and they're willing to lend on it. And these real estate professionals will lend you money for your deals, right? So you get a deal, you finally get one. Let's say that same house, I got it back under contract and I met up with one of these hard money lenders. The hard money lender will say to you like, okay, they're like, all right, Jay, we see you've got this house for 157, let's say 150, easy numbers. You know, if you can put down 15,000, right? Essentially 10%, uh -huh. we'll cover 90% of the purchase price, 100% of the renovation. Wow. So the, the power in that is that I don't gotta come up with so much money to be able to do mm -hmm. this deal. Another key thing though, that's, that's important with these is compared to your conventional loans, these are interest only loans. So you will never pay down that principal. Mm -hmm. That principal will stay where it is and that, that lender is gonna collect those payments from you until you finish that house. Once you finish that house, you have, the, you have make a decision. All right, am I gonna keep this as a rental? So then they'll convert your loan into a 30 year, mm -hmm. right? Or, or like what I do for a lot of times is I'm just gonna sell that house and move on to another property. I'm gonna take my profit, I'm gonna pay the tax man, give him his money, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm on to more deals. Because it, it's fast cash, fast yeah. cash. That's the benefit of hard money specifically. And one thing too that I kinda wanna touch on real fast because it was a recent new announcement as mm -hmm. well. So what you talked about, right, where once you finish the project, if you're not selling it, you do wanna convert it to a rental. Yeah. You know, and then you need to get your, you gotta, pay off the private yep. money guy. And, and you wanna get the money out of it. And you wanna get yeah. the money out of it. You're Now you're talking cash out refinance. Mm -hmm. Now I'm gonna share with everyone else too. So if you wanted to do a regular conventional cash out refinance okay. after you finish the project, it used to be you had a six month waiting period. So you when you purchased the property, you had to own it for six months mm -hmm. before you could do a cash out refinance. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, who are the overseers of conventional loans have just announced they're changing that to 12 months. Oh, serious? Yep. There's a whole thing on that. We could we could do a whole episode on the things Fanny and This Freddie is learning are doing. with Leah. This is <laughs> learning with Leah. Even I mm -hmm. you don't know this. Look, I'm living off real estate and even I don't know this information. Also, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac recently announced they're changing what are called they're called loan level price adjustments. Okay. It's a very fancy term for the money they are charging you as the buyer to do the loan, to get wow. the interest rate. Yeah. Those loan level price adjustments are coming into play very soon. And guess which types of loans are going to get astronomically oh more God, expensive? Don't say my loans. Refinances, cash out and rate and terms. So now not only are you going to be waiting a year yeah. since the time you own the property. And again, this is just conventional Yeah, loans. conventional loans, yes. Just conventional. Not FHA loans, yeah, like, yeah, they got you. Not yeah, FHA, yeah. not VA, mm -hmm. not um, the other non-qualified yeah. mortgages, which yeah. is like a, I call it an in-between world between hard money, private money, 
and your conventional government backed okay. mortgages. Mm -hmm. So conventional now, a year from the time you purchase the property to the time you can do a re cash out refinance, 12 months. Man. So something to keep in mind too for any investors out there who are thinking about doing that, there's gonna be a new timeline yeah. on that. So uh, now I think that's also key too. So this is where private money now also is powerful. So mm -hmm. there's hard money, there's private money, very closely related. In many ways they are the same, but not necessarily. So typically with hard money, they're a lot closer to a bank, but with just less documents, less requirements. So like that's kind of the trade-off that you get. Private money, that's more to do with almost like personal relationships. Like mm -hmm. imagine if your uncle just was dripping in money and was like, <laughs> hey, I'll give you some money to do your deal. You know, he's yeah. like, give me a little return and call it a day, right? You don't, the requirements are a lot more relaxed. Mm -hmm. um, and now, given the perfect example of you saying this about, you know, the how the rates are starting to change, if you get into private lending, these private lenders, you can skip all that because now my loan is with you. Mm -hmm. It's not with a bank. It's yeah. not with these big companies that have, they have to follow like these specific rules. We just come up with a document created on our own about what we, what the outlines are for the loan itself. And you pay them like you would a typical bank, except again, a lot less requirements. Which sounds lovely it is lovely <laughs> let me tell you it is lovely i'm in the world of requirements yeah. and documents so yeah i and yeah. i think i think had i have started now in more the conventional side of way i would think more conventionally but because i do real estate for fixing houses turning them around selling them making rentals i actually think less conventionally so i'm mm -hmm. always trying to think of what are creative ways in which I can buy real estate so that I can spend less of my money and more of your money? Exactly. Yeah. Well, I think I think that's the key and that's, that's really why I wanted to bring you on to talk to everyone mm -hmm. too because investing in real estate is a different ball game from just buying the home you're living in mm -hmm. or buying a vacation home. Like there's more to it and there's more options and you can get a little more creative with it. Yeah, yeah, and I think too is when people stop looking at the real estate industry as like, this is my dream home and I'm gonna, and nothing against that. Like, I, I don't wanna knock it because I was there too for a long time, right? Mm -hmm. There's, I understand why people wanna have the American dream. Like, it's a real thing. And I, and I do think home ownership is important. But I think if people took real estate and started looking at it from an investment first and then dream home second, it, there would be so many more options open to them. And they'd be up, they'd actually be closer to living an ideal life than it would if they bought their dream home and then started thinking about an mm -hmm. investment home. I think about that yeah. all just personally. So yeah. I've shared with people on the show, but when I bought my first home up in Charlotte, North Carolina, uh -huh. it was definitely not my dream home. I gave up a lot of my wants uh -huh. on my want list because I was just starting out. So I'm like, I can only afford a certain amount, but I knew the potential potential that mm. home ownership held. So I got a basic little starter home, nothing fancy, nothing special, mm -hmm. had maybe like one thing that was on my wish list. I mean, there was carpet in the bathroom. Oh, that, <laughs> you got a nice one. I got a Those nice are my one. kind of homes. Those are my kind of homes, okay. And I lived in it for a year and a half. And then when I moved to Florida, mm -hmm. I converted it to a rental. So I put Love a tenant it. in there. And then I sold it last year at the height of the market. 
and I walked away with a very large sum of cash yeah. that now I'm like, oh my God, like look at the possibilities I have now that I never would yep. have had without that investment. So. And that's also the power of a fixer, right? Like mm -hmm. what would you say? 90% of your clients are looking for a finished product. If you gave it a percent, oh what would you say? What percent looking for a finished product? 95. Yeah, Nin super high, super yeah. high. I, I'm the 5%. Mm -hmm. I, I, I want a piece of junk, right? <laughs> because that piece of junk, like I'm going to take all of the equity out of that junk and I'm going to put it in my pocket mm -hmm. and I'm going to sell you the 95, the finished product, the finished product. Yeah. And talk about that a little bit because you have a designer background. I've gotten to personally see a couple of your homes and yeah. you don't just do the traditional fix and flip and we're gonna just put nah. some basic ass shit in there. Like mm -hmm. your homes are nice Thank you. and they've got a nice touch. So talk to everyone a sure. little bit about that sure. piece of things. So for me, like, so I've, because I started out as an architect, my whole design philosophy comes from what I've learned through school, what I learned as a professional. And then it translated into like what I started doing on my own. So shortly after I left my firm that I started with when I first moved to New York, I moved to New York in 2011, I believe it was. Uh -huh. um, and then I came back um, during pandemic. So, but after I left the firm where I first went to, I went to a firm in Brooklyn and we specialized in doing renderings, like interior renderings. Mm -hmm. So it was less details, less like drawings, more like, how do you make a product sell to a prospective buyer, right? Because they're doing these high rises, 40 stories, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And they need to be able to sell to a billionaire in like the Far East, right? Yeah. So <laughs> how do you sell as a billionaire in the Far East? Well, you got to make the gym look bomb. You got to make the bedrooms look incredible. And right now that bedroom is a piece of dirt, right? It doesn't, this building doesn't exist yet. So yeah. I really cut my teeth in the interior space, started doing renderings. So it really taught me how to placement of furniture, how things should feel. Am I selling to a man? Am I selling to a woman? Am I selling to a family? That really kind of helped start off my career in the sense that it, it translated into what I do now, which it's real life renderings is the way I look at it. Yeah. So, so now when I fix houses, I never wanted a house to be something that somebody could purchase and then be like, okay, yeah, I see walls, bedroom. Okay, I'm out. I don't want that. Mm -hmm. I want someone to walk into a house that I've designed and I want them to feel something. And for me, that was really big because when my mom first bought her house, she said something to me that was very important. She said when she walked in the door, the house hugged me. Aww. And I was just trying to get some understanding as to like what that meant from her. And she said that when she walked in, the feeling that she felt, she's like the sofa was in the right place. The, the kitchen felt quaint. It didn't feel too big because she was by herself now. My parents got divorced a long time ago. My little sister moved off to LA. So she's really looking for a house just for her. And she said that the bedroom count, the bathroom count, how finished it was, she said, it just, it just hugged me. And I was like, that was key. That was really yeah. key for me. Because I was like, how do I now flip a house and make someone walk in and say, okay, this is mine, where they really feel an emotional attachment to it. Mm -hmm. That then took all of that past experience that I had working in real estate or sorry, working as an architect, working as a renderer and then translate it into what my mom felt and now put that out into the world for everyone else. I love 
that. <laughs> I do. I love yeah. that. And it's, it's refreshing too, because mm-hmm. I feel like when you put out your finished product, like you take so much pride in the product you're putting out to people. And I hear horror stories all the time from I know. like, it's sad. It's sad. Yeah. One of my best friends just bought a home over in Sarasota Mm -hmm. and it was from a fix and flipper and the home was, is, is beautiful. But when hurricane Ian came through recently, so they found out that the investor or the fix and flipper did not put a subfloor. Oh boy. So they were skipping out on different things to save more money, to make a profit. And so when that hurricane came through, all this like sand and water came bubbling up through their floor because there was no subfloor that was laid. It it really hurts me when I hear stories like this because, and this is part of the reason why I don't like the term flipper. I really don't. I say Mm -hmm. it because it's an industry term, right? Because it's an industry term, people know it. So I'm going to say because people know it. But I genuinely do not like that term because it has a bad connotation for that exact reason. People are so focused, investors, fixing flippers, they're so focused on the bottom line. How many dollars can I put in my pocket? Yeah. And then they're willing to lose integrity as a a result. I, I can't get behind that. I just can't. So mm-hmm. for me, it's not like I can just fix a house and say like, oh, this house hugged this person. How's it going to hug them if next thing you know, like they're flooded? That's, <laughs> exactly. That doesn't feel good. You no. know? So you really got and this is for me, and I'm not going to speak against what anyone else does in real estate because this is what I've developed in, in my own business, my own brand. I care that the product that I put out there to the world says more about me than it does anything else. Mm-hmm. I want to know that when somebody sees something that I've done, They never have to worry about an issue like that, that corners are cut, things are being skipped, that that the proper um, inspections that need to be done aren't being done. Because I feel that if you can consistently put integrity in front of dollars, dollars will follow you. If you put dollars in front of integrity, you're just going to lose everything in the long run. I agree with that completely. So. And the last like kind of main topic I want to talk about today before we wrap everything up sure. because it's a huge thing now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Airbnb. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I hear everyone wants an Airbnb. Everyone wants to be an Airbnb investor. Sure. You know, you've done it. Mm-hmm. How do you do it successfully? What are some key things to look for? Sure. Attention to if someone's wanting to get I love into it. That I, I love it. So I, I love the short-term rental space. Um, I'm a big believer in short-term rental. I think what's key in short-term rental is that some people just want to buy a place because the price is right, as opposed to the, the area that it's in is right. Mm-hmm. Right. That's really, really key. So some of you are like, well, I could afford this. Right. But just because you can afford that doesn't mean it's going to be a great Airbnb. And then on top of that, mm-hmm. Airbnb really pushes, especially lately, they're really pushing themed rentals. So if you're in the space and you want to get an Airbnb and you start wondering, like, like, let's say you finally get one, you're like, I'm not getting any views on my place. That's because Airbnb really is pushing for, especially for your given area, themed rentals over your typical, like, it's got a bedroom, it's got a bathroom, it'll rent. No, not necessarily. Like, mm-hmm. they're looking for people who have spaces that are unique. Spaces that feel very, you can't get this anywhere else. Yeah. So that, that's that's a really key thing. But yes, and the area is super, super important. I can't stress enough. Real estate, location, location, location. 
Where would you say, so we're, we're in Palm Beach, mm-hmm. Florida. Yeah. Like if we're just focusing on this specific area, what suggestions of areas sure. would you give that you think would make good Airbnbs? West Palm Beach, um, there's a lot of money in West Palm. Um, Delray, Delray's got great money too. Um, Boca, all those areas where typically you have um, affluence, where you have a lot of spending, those are good areas for Airbnb. Mm-hmm. Now, how much are you going to pay for that house? And is that mortgage <laughs> going to be offset by how much income you get through Airbnb is another question. Fair. Yeah. So a lot of Airbnb has to do with numbers. I think people fall in love with houses in real estate. Once you become an investor, you fall in love with dollars. Mm-hmm. Right. But not the dollars like what we talked about before, where he said, you know, in, in, you put aside exactly. integrity. Yeah. This is like looking at the numbers of the house. OK, what does this house cost? What's the mortgage on it? How much are you gonna pay in insurance and taxes, right? These are just typical math numbers. Mm -hmm. And if you expect a return or an income of this amount, are those numbers gonna work to where you have a good enough cash flow that we're purchasing that house makes sense? Now, I have a question for you because I have heard a lot of people say, or they they purchase a home Mm -hmm. with the intent to Airbnb and they run their numbers based off of Airbnb income. Okay. now I have heard some horror stories doing that and I've heard okay. other people say, you know, if you want to go that way, great, run those numbers too, but also run numbers if you were going to put a full or a long-term renter uh-huh. into the property. Mm-hmm. So if Airbnb is not working out the way you want to, you know, you can still put someone in there. Yes. Yes. What do you think about that? I, I think that's important. So I'm going to give you an example. So I bought an Airbnb I don't know, maybe like two years ago or so. And this Airbnb was doing pretty well for the area that it was in. It wasn't the best area, but it was a decent area. It was close to the beach. Mm-hmm. And I want to say it produced about 60000 in income. It's a, it's a good number. That's awesome. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's a good number. Yeah, for the year, that's solid. Yeah. You know? And then what I did was I looked at all my expenses that I had for the year. My expenses for the year were 70000 so I literally, I literally lost $10,000 having this house on Airbnb. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to do this again. Uh-huh. I then looked at, all right, what would it be if I put a long-term rental in this house instead of doing Airbnb? The long-term rental, I would have done $3,500 a month. Uh-huh. And, and I'm not paying cleaners. I'm not paying electricity. I'm not paying water. Mm-hmm. I'm not paying any of this stuff. So... Had I have done that and put this long-term rental into the property as opposed to doing the Airbnb, I would have made about $40,000. Wow. But, well, $40,000 in income minus yes. minus mortgage, tax, yeah. and expenses, this I would have had a positive net cash flow of about $20,000 on the year. Isn't that crazy? $30,000 difference putting in a long-term rental over an Airbnb. Because people yeah. are like, well, I don't get it. I thought Airbnb is... Airbnb is great. Airbnb is wonderful. But Airbnb takes time. It takes money. It takes a lot of work. And I think mm-hmm. that there's a misconception that I'm going to get an Airbnb and then I'm going to bankroll. No. Yeah. I think that's no. what everybody yeah. thinks. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, again, like I believe in Airbnb, but numbers matter. Location matters. I love it. And I so appreciate you coming on the show Thank today. Thank you for having me. That was dope. I'm, I'm glad I got to come on. I, I hope we can do this again. So. Absolutely. Because I think after this episode, I think people are going to want to know more or get in deeper on certain topics sure, for sure. it. Um, but at the end of every episode, we kind of do a like a call to action or where people can find us. So mm-hmm. everyone knows you can find me on all the social media platforms, Lending with Leah. 
I have an email now, lendingwithleah at gmail.com. So if there's anything you guys want to hear specifically for the show, topics that interest you, you want to deep dive on something, shoot me an email. We will get that content out to you guys. And Jay, where can everyone find you? Sure. Um, Instagram is probably the biggest social platform that I'm on the most right now. Um, I also have TikTok. On on Instagram, it's Jay Abrams, J-A-Y-A-B-R-A-M-S. And on TikTok, it's J-A-Y-A-B-R-A-M-S underscore. Um, and I'm also getting into YouTube now. I'm really just kind of starting it. I think I've got it's like two videos. Yeah, YouTube's it is. A beast. It is. It is. <laughs> but I told myself this year, this is the year of commitment to the social and really growing through social. So um, I actually don't even know what my YouTube <laughs> name is. I know it's Jay Abrams, but I, I'm sure there's probably like 10,000 Jay Abrams. Um, but I'll make sure to share that through my Instagram. Like once you connect with me on there, I'll put like my YouTube um, handle so that you can just connect directly. And if you guys have email or want to reach out through business, um, the letter J and then my last name, A-B-R-A-M-S at carbon, C-A-R-B-N dot net. Awesome. Thank you everyone for joining and we'll see you again in a couple weeks for the next episode.